I went to college in Toronto and lived there for five years. That's part of my story. Hi, I'm Julie. I once broke my hand in Switzerland, and that's part of my story. Hi, I'm Maria, and this is Sparks of Madness. Sparks of Madness is a storytelling podcast that illuminates the beauty of our experiences while capturing those sparks that ignite what it means to be human. <laughs> what part of your hand? Oh, uh, you can't, audience can't see this, but I'm holding up my left hand. And it's uh, the pinky, like uh, oh. like the top of like underneath the, where the nail is, all the way down. And then I tore up my uh, hand here, which you can't see, but it's like I tore up like uh, the ligaments in it. And I actually mm. have a Harry Potter scar. And I've seen uh, 30 minutes of the first Harry Potter movie, but I've read none of the books. However, <laughs> however, I was uh, I worked my first job there's a few people I still talk to from that first like corporate job I had, but some of y'all who I do not talk to were awful people to the point, like they at one point made a list of an order of who was going to get married in the order that it was happening in. And I, I was, as a joke, I said, Oh, I'm not on that list. And they're like, well, you don't have a boyfriend. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> like, I was like, that's sweet. Also just weird to do, but uh, they all loved Harry Potter. And so I thought, well, you know, and this is part of like code switching. So I was like, I guess I have to code switch for Harry fucking Potter. Um, so I read Wikipedia enough to like, to know, like just to, if, if a conversation came up to like hold it, but if you ask follow-up questions, I would not have an answer to, you know, my mm -hmm. last week there before I moved from Arizona to, or from Arizona to Chicago, uh, something came up and I about Harry Potter and it was something very like obvious. Uh, and I was like, oh, what's that? They're like, oh, it's from Harry Potter. You've seen Harry Potter. And I go, I have never seen a Harry Potter. And they're like, <laughs> what? You've held conversations with them all. Like, and it, it was literally my last week there. I was like, none of you have ever asked follow-up questions. And so you've been really mean to me kind of thing. Um, I'm still friends with a couple people, but none of the mean ones. <laughs> Well, I mean, so if the mean ones listen, you know who you are or don't, I don't talk to you. I don't care. <laughs> I love that you were just putting your Scorpio energy on full display. Listen, I spent so many years like trying to fit into like, and not be myself that it's now it's like, I'm myself. I'm happy who I am. Like as we all are works in progress, but like, I, you have to do code switching in general to you know survive in certain places but I don't need to go that far ever again but like it was my first job and certain things happened that I realized were like huge microaggressions mm. and now I just don't want to deal with it and I don't have to and no, that's that part of my story <laughs> <laughs> I think that is fine um, I just have to ask because I have seen all the Harry Potter movies and I've read the books and obviously um they're not as uh they're a little tainted at this point due sure. to their terrible awful human being of an of a author mm -hmm. um but <laughs> uh do you know what house you were in so i um at the current job i have that i do like my employer that's probably listening uh <laughs> <laughs> uh they it was like a slow day at work um and so we 
took the quiz that's on an official website I'm guessing <laughs> official website yeah, official there's like a website that everyone like knows I guess it's a Harry Potter thing and I took it and I um not knowing some of the stuff I got Ravenclaw and I've been told I am a Ravenclaw from those I who understand that. what that means I can see that yeah uh my lover is a Slytherin <laughs> your lover yes yeah. um okay mm-hmm. that is interesting I don't know what that means <laughs> <laughs> well no I only say that because I guess well I don't I don't know your lover as well as you do obviously mm-hmm. obviously he is my lover <laughs> <laughs> pretty clear I mean I know him enough and I guess I just didn't see that in him okay <laughs> I mean that's all there is so I guess part of me was surprised because I feel like Slytherins are um well, there's probably more of them than I realize, but I always get surprised when I hear that someone's one unless they've really shown me like their dark side. But again, I mean, he's also like Taurus Gemini cusp kind of thing. So, <laughs> but my lover is also very sweet. I like to say that. And I, I hope his mom is listening so I could say my lover. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cute. My goal is just to embarrass him. What did you say? Well, no, I was just going to say, just for the record, I am a Gryffindor, but I'm also a Leo times three. So that all checks out. So I understand the Leo part of that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) The Gryffindor is the, like the, you know, red and yellow with the lion and they're very courageous and brave. Oh, so you're a lion times four. Something like that. Someone who is not a Leo, but is a Virgo, because I know their birthdays. (laughs) Who also went to where the origin of Harry Potter was. Yes, which, spoiler alerts in their story, uh, you know him. <laughs> well, you don't know him. Maybe you don't. But if once you know him, you'll love him. Please welcome. Max Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Hello, hello. Um, a moment in time that uh, is, is just is seared in my brain is 2013. I studied in England, studied acting in England, um, Shakespeare specifically, and it was the British American Drama Academy, and it was a lot of fun. It was it was awesome. It was the first time that they had had the uh, most amount of uh, Black people that they've ever had in their history. I think that they started in 1980 or 1979, but at this time they had 88 students, and then they had 13 black folks uh, who were there um, from across the country, and it was wonderful. There was people there from Mexico City. There was people. They're from Europe, of course. We were studying Oxford, um, and it was it was it was lovely. But the specific part of that summer is the fact that um, um, how could I say this? The uh, yeah, the juxtaposed to us as Black Americans being in Oxford at the same time in America, George Zimmerman was on trial, and yes, so like he was on trial and he got off, uh, as we know. Um, and I remember all of us, we spent time in, in, you know, in the lawn area that they had there and talked and, and shared space and everything. And something that was really wonderful that came up through all of us, like just spending a day of crying and consoling each other was that, um, and, and also, you know, like we needed to, to create that space for each other because out there, these, you know, these British white people, they're like, I don't, <laughs> I'm not really, it's not really hitting them in the same way, you know? Um, and we're in this predominantly white space at this all this private 
of school, Magdalen College in Oxford. And um, I remember during that time of us holding space, one of my friends, Stanley said, hey, I have a, a close friend of mine who wrote this play called Thoughts of a Colored Man. And just to release some stuff, we should, we should do this. We should do these monologues just for each other because these monologues are about the black male experience and um, through the lens of black male teenagers and this and that and stuff. And so we did it and um, we put it on and it, and during the day we were learning Shakespeare and learning these Shakespeare monologues, but then at night we would spend time together and rent out different spaces on the campus and then uh, perform these monologues. And then after a while we created a production out of it. And at the end of the summer when we were to you know do all of the scene from Macbeth and a scene from Midsummer Night's Dream we did Thoughts of a Color Man in front of the entire faculty the school uh people that came and did workshops like Brian Cox and uh, different people like that and it was really wonderful it was just lovely to be able to have that have that space together and um I just remember all of us crying at the end of it because it was it, it, as much as it took for us to get there. Um, and, and then, um, you know, for, for all of us, it was our first time being out of the country. Um, and for us to um, create a piece that was dedicated to Trayvon Martin um, and wasn't just about, you know, this, the writing that we all know from this white guy that died in 1616. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was just lovely. It was, it was truly wonderful to, to, have that space, share that space with each other. Um, and because all of us had that commonality of all of us being in college, us being young black actors, and all of us being in, you know, dealing with being in school where they're casting us as like the maid or they're casting us as some servant or whatever in a play. So um, it was just wonderful for us to create that space for each other. Um, and I think that that's where, that's one of the first things in my life or first experiences that really inspired me to create space and focus on creating space for folks of color. <laughs> How are you feeling? Yes, I feel good. I feel good. That, uh, and it's, oh, and also, uh, I also want to say that uh, Thoughts of a Color Man was just on Broadway before the COVID surge hit, but was on Broadway um, for at least three months, I'd say. Yeah, before COVID hit or the new surge hit. Yeah. Yeah, we're on season yeah. three right now. <laughs> <laughs> for real, we really are. I saw that on TikTok, so I can't take a, I can't take credit for it. <laughs> um, definitely. Thank, thank you so it. much for sharing that story and just like sort of like kind of building your foundation of creating space for people. Are you still in touch with those classmates? Yes, yes. I just visited them. Just visit them in uh, um, New York uh, last summer, and um, yeah, yeah. It's it's wonderful to have a network of black actors in LA, New York, um, some there in New Zealand. It's wonderful to keep in touch because we share we share all these things, you know, together of harder they fall being cast. And mm -hmm. um somebody from Bada knows the person that's the sound person or the person they went to school with somebody that's the stage manager for this this major play that, you know, um Jeremy O'Harris is doing or something. You know, it's uh it's really wonderful to be just connected to a community of people where a lot of spaces that we're in, we're the one. Creating space for people of color for you is like super important based on your story. Totally makes sense. And I fully agree. Um, can you speak a little bit more about like what, what that experience, like how that molded you or like changed you or inspired you as an actor, especially like up until now where we are in 2022? 
Absolutely. I think because it, it was, as I said, it was so interesting to be in like private grounds within the a school that anybody that's a local in Oxford it wouldn't be going to and wouldn't be attending unless they had money. And then all of us actors are there. We're like, as I said, we're in a predominantly white space, but the difference is, is these British actors, British teachers, excuse me, the way that they, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's like the way that they taught us and trained us was not based on, oh, I know for a fact that the, the white men that are in the class with you are gonna be the people I should focus on because they're realistically gonna be people being cast. You know, um, there was none of that. There was like, oh, we're training all of you all the same. We understand that there's going to be uh, casting that is, you know, um, where there might be more opportunities because it's a play like 12 Years a Slave compared to one of the Marvels, especially back in 2013. You didn't have uh, Black Panther. You didn't have Blackish. You really did. You, you know, it's before like this huge wave of shows that we have now. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was lovely to be in spaces and it and you didn't feel uh, segregated and um and also people were excited in England that was the other cool thing people were excited by not only Americans but then black Americans because then to them you get the questions of Kanye you get the questions of do you know Beyonce what is this you know what is uh like at that time it was like is Kanye really crazy what is uh, what is Beyonce and Jay-Z's relationship like um is Chicago really dangerous? Do you have to carry a gun? It was a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've noticed when I've traveled, <laughs> like it's a lot of people, non-Americans are obsessed with American culture. So they'll ask questions yes. like that. Like when I was in college and studied abroad, they asked if um, parties were really like in the movies. And full mm -hmm. disclosure, I went to Arizona State, so they were. <laughs> yeah. so I, I just said yes, and they were like fascinated by that. Or if they saw, because yes. um, I was in Australia, and they and one of our friends, uh, she was black, and then her like one of her boyfriend, one of her boyfriend, the one boyfriend she had, came to visit, and he's like tall black man they thought he was every basketball player at the time every rapper yes. we got a lot of free stuff because he finally was just like sure i'm uh who do they say i'm trying awesome. to like remember it just whatever basketball player they said he's like sure and they just yes. gave him all this free stuff because you just notice they're so obsessed with uh like and not just in australia but other cultures and other are like know more Absolutely. about us than we know about them which is kind of sad too because you could go to another country yes and be like oh, that's cool that this show's on but it's like <laughs> yeah yes mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and they have an understanding of their specific culture out, yeah. out there like there's nobody that's just just black but it's that's that nigerian guy was talking to that kenyan guy and mm -hmm. um you know just like you said that australian woman was over there uh hanging out with that that Italian person, like it just, it's, it's so interesting um, walking around and talking to people who were like, yeah, you all, you all really go far with your racism. <laughs> you all really take your, you know, like we got racism, of course, because we got to, but you all like, you all make it into fantasy football, basically. <laughs> you know, that's how they looked at it. Like, we drafted this race. This? It's like the Dave Chappelle. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. Exactly. That's exactly how they looked at us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And oh, that's another cool thing is because of because of like Chappelle's show or like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, there was a lot of um, 
if you go, if I went to a club, it would be a lot of that kind of interest, you know, mm -hmm. people wanting to see you believing that you're there to put on a show. But there's people that have given us money because me and some of the, uh, some of my friends, uh, you know, other black folks, we would, you know, uh, do monologues or Shakespeare sonnets on the train. We would even make announcements. The Americans are here. We <laughs> just the fuck with people and people would, would just eat it up. But then anytime we tried to use like any dialect or anything like that that we learned, any accent that we learned in class, there'd be, <laughs> they were just like, listen, we, we know, we know the difference. <laughs> you know, you are not Luther. You are not Idris. <laughs> What's the wildest experience, whether it's like putting on a show or just something mm -hmm. crazy that happened? I think the wildest experience, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think probably, yeah, the wildest experience was, is that uh, I had a run in with the police and they were so polite. <laughs> they were extremely polite. Like they were asking me calm questions and, sir, can I ask you this? Like we're, you know, like very calm, no guns. Um, <laughs> that was really interesting. That was, that was the thing that was so shocking. There wasn't a lurking. Cause also another thing in 2013 that us remember, excuse me, is that Chicago had the reputation for Chirac. So mm. the, we have over policing now, but then I just remember that even then it was like going on, it was on a level of just like what it was. We were in a war at the time and it was, it, it was the, the comparison was, was very true. So, um, I just remember me going, being in England and like, how the fuck am I walking past cops? They're just having a conversation. They don't stop and look at me. They don't stop and, you know, try to take me in or scope me out or anything. It was, that was fascinating. Oh, and also I think that was really wild is like to see 14 or 15 year olds like outside of clubs rolling cigarettes and stuff. And like, roll, like that was, that was always interesting to see how those kind of things are so wide open, you know? So you had like a completely yeah. different kind of culture shock being in the UK, I would say. Yes, totally, mm. totally. It was called just being, being treated like a human. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's what that was. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Any spaces that I normally would have experienced here in America and said, ooh, this is going to be off, this is going to be awkward, was not there. It was wild. That is something to think about. I'm just like still being like, that's just, <laughs> it's like, I, like, and I, of course, like these aren't things I, I've experienced being a white person, but it's just like mm -hmm. to think about how different it is in that regard, it's like, Gosh, maybe, maybe we all should move <laughs> in a way, but not really. Because yeah. That's nicer. Yes. Especially like yes. on TikTok, there's a bunch of Americans that are living elsewhere of all different backgrounds. And I just saw this one where this man, I, I think he said he was Mexican, but he's living in Spain, but he's, he's a Mexican American now living in Spain. Mm -hmm. And uh, his host family was getting mad at him because he wasn't coming home for lunch. And I guess everybody comes home for lunch and then takes a nap. And then he was eating too early because in Spain, I guess you eat at 10 o'clock. And he was like, it's mm. seven o'clock. I'm hungry. And they're like, no, you need to eat and like sleep. And it, that he's like, people like want to hang out. That's like the thing versus like just work. So it's like, we're so messed up and where your wildest experience traveling was just to be treated like a human. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I'm trying to think about, is there anything... 
else that was oh i think it was really interesting i was like in the middle of london one day and i just saw people break dancing like it was 1985. <laughs> <laughs> like we we're in a huge circle and we're watching people break dance and i'm like oh and people are in on it. people are yeah yeah people are loving it and and it was wonderful and then afterwards and everybody was like around the same age at that time i was 19 Everybody there must have been about my age and up to maybe, maybe, maybe like mid twenties. And everybody just started talking afterwards, having conversation. People didn't even know each other. They just stopped and we're checking this out and then just started having conversation. And it was, that was another thing. People were not aggressive. Like I remember there was a dude, there was a, a guy who was like Terry Crews size, <laughs> had a gold cap uh blonde hair and short blonde hair jeans cuff shirtless buff jeans cuff and like french loafers on and walked all the way across the street and was like nice outfit my mom and <laughs> just kept walking <laughs> but he was yeah. it was it was so <laughs> funny it was like he was like doing street exercises but he was in fashion <laughs> i it's, so cool it's, such a nice idea to think of just walking down the street and just watching people experience joy and like there's just no questions yes. there's no threat of any kind yeah that's a nice thought <laughs> it is it is and they know that we're crazy that's the other wild thing they know we are too aggressive with the uh with your acting in different like monologues is there any that you remember from the from your schooling in that time yeah yeah, I could still do sonnets from that time. I wish I could still, I need to go back and learn, relearn the puck uh, uh, monologues I learned. Cause those are just, those are just so much fun. Uh, something else that was funny is that the food out there really sucked. Who really <laughs> it, it sucked so bad. And I was just like eating Cheerios dry. <laughs> <laughs> Even the almond milk suck. Oh, oh was, yeah, you can't weird. drink milk, Max. <laughs> yes, yes. So it was, it was serious. The almond milk stuck, <laughs> and just when I got these Cheerios, and then I remember because like I was nineteen, and you know I wasn't legally couldn't buy alcohol in the states. So then out there I could buy alcohol. So I just like stocked up on like IPAs and like Japanese. I was just like, yeah, let me try all of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god breakfast of champions cheerios and ipa yes. <laughs> that's right you didn't even put the ipa in the cheerios and it's a whole new concept for cereal. that's right that's was right that like still be better than almond milk man. <laughs> yeah <laughs> was that like your first time like on your own because you're like 19 and you know not not yes. at home yes that that was and that was lovely but then also figuring out the pound system and then like mm. you know going to a place where then our dollar is not um not as strong so uh that that was also interesting doing the conversions uh going places and just trying to get like you know fucking like lemon loaf slice from uh starbucks right would be you know you think about here it'd be like th i don't know what would that be like three dollars and some and then there it's like seven pounds or some shit. you know it's some shit where you're like what the fuck am i doing <laughs> <laughs> rethinking like, why is starbucks balling out yeah <laughs> so you are. Max, are you chicago born and raised yes um and so like what what inspired you to go to to oxford in england to like study shakespeare 
that uh because I'd heard about Rada and Rada is longer uh and then this in the Bada it was a summer program and I was like oh I would love to you know test this out see if I'd like to go to grad school and then also Chadwick Bozeman went to uh Bada and it was just it was yeah that that's what what got me there is that I I said okay this is this is something where I wouldn't have to because I don't know I think in my mind I also thought of how much more money would be. I was going into my junior year of college and I was thinking about how much money it would be to study in England for, you know, four years or three years or what have you. Um, so yeah, I was just excited to see, okay, let me get the the shorter version of what Rada would, ex what I would experience at Rada and, and see how I like it. And yeah, it was true. I mean, it was a joy. I mean, like we had workshops with Fiona Shaw. Like it was, we're out in the woods with, um, Julian, um, oh, what is his name? Julian, um, forgot his last name. He was in Game of Thrones. He's, he passed away now, but he like, mm -hmm. um, it was so funny. It's so funny meeting some of these older British people because they would do shit like, like that guy, Julian, he, he, he saw me and the other black people and he like stopped his conversation. He, he, he was like talking to all of us, all 88 of us. And us black folks, like we were over in this, we were just sitting next, near each other. And then he was just talking about, it. he was like, yeah, so the 1930-some-some-some. And then he just turned to us and was like, I worked with Paul Robeson. <laughs> and then kept going. <laughs> you know, yeah. like he would do that with everybody. Me and James Earl Jones had a, you know, had a great play. To, you know, it was just like all of that, right? Oh but um, it was just, it was really cool to um, to experience that. And then also to see that actors there don't get, like the theater actors are not getting paid the amount that you get paid at Steppenwolf or Goodman or things like that. I don't know what it is, but they have this whole thing of like, it's the respect for theater. So everybody's supposed to just get paid little to nothing, even at the biggest scale of theater in, mm -hmm. in, in, um, in England. Would you go back um, for like grad school or like a longer program there? Definitely. I would love to go there to work there. I mean, like we see how many British actors do our films. I would love to go there to to work. I mean, oh, beautiful architecture, beautiful. Just I mean, that was another cool thing. I love walking, you know, cobblestone roads or or places where the architecture is hundreds of years old. It was just it was really uh, truly inspiring. And you and I felt definitely felt more free out there. Felt like what well, we can get out of New York, LA and Chicago, but with a completely different energy. And I think an energy that I think supports our way of thinking and our, um, and also our pace. I was just, I did a like a commercial shoot, or shoot earlier today. And one of the guys on the shoot, one of the producers, he was saying how he stayed in London for a time. And he said he loved the fact that the pace is slower, even though it's on top of the times, it's still slower. Yeah. And I felt that too. Uh, I, my friend put it best when she came to visit, she's visiting from Portland and she says in Portland, mm -hmm. you go get a cup of coffee and that's the event in Chicago. You're getting coffee on the way to the event on the way to something. else. Uh, like, yeah. You're never like not. That's very true. Yeah. And even in Portland, Damn, it's still fast true. paced compared to like other places. Cause it's like sort of like, the American way in a way, which is awful. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like the whole idea of hustling, which I like, especially coming out of the pandemic, I've been like this whole like idea of like a grind and a hustle, like I respect it, but it's also like, if you're constantly putting a hundred percent of yourself into like five different projects, 
like you're never gonna put you, you're never putting 100 of yourself into five different projects like it just doesn't work like because you can't <laughs> yes. you can't clone yourself five times to be able to do everything as much as you want to be able to do it so like I, I just think then you have like you know yourself and your life and your quality time with your friends and your family like there's just no way to make time in the day and to give yourself all the opportunities you want to do everything to the best of your ability so like the grustle no. the grind and hustle I just I have such an issue with that when like especially when we see these young comedians or young improvisers young actors being like oh I have to audition I have like seven auditions this week and I have like and then I want to get this booking but I also have a show and I have a set and it's like dude just focus on like one thing and do it to the best of your ability because it's going to be so much That's better true. than cutting yourself in seven pieces to make those auditions that have no guarantee mm-hmm. oh anyway that was very my true <laughs> yeah you're absolutely right that's me, like half majority of the time. I mean, I, <laughs> there's, a, like me. there's a way to do it, you know, but I just like, especially like if you've been doing it for a while and you have like some established things in your career and like you have a, a direction and like, you know, you have an agent, you're booking these things, like, but some people just like, and when they, you know, it, I remember doing improv uh, and there was like, people were constantly trying to get onto all these teams you know, between all the theaters yeah. many, yeah. several years ago, if not too long ago. And it was like, but then people wouldn't show up to rehearsals because they'd have to be at a different thing. So then they'd end up getting kicked off that team because then they didn't understand why. And it's like, you know, there's consequences to these actions. Sometimes, they're, they're, sometimes right. they're not. Mm-hmm. You, you're but, absolutely right. And then these buildings are still making money off of us. Yeah. At the end of the day. I tell my students, is, I'm like, wild. yeah, I tell my students like, get what you can out of here and then you're bigger than any building because with the news of the a theater opening of of letters and vowels opening reopening <laughs> I don't know what the, I don't want to say its name but like everyone was like pretty excited and it's just like oh I guess we do have amnesia cool 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 <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> yeah but I think that's also because of these PWIs it's like mm-hmm. there's so many spaces that are predominantly white um and I be, and and that's I remember that's something like when I visited uh, Atlanta last year I was like whoa you have downtown Atlanta you have major clubs where it's not a sprinkle of black people going to the club and they have to be like oh I can't wear my Timberlands or I gotta make sure I'm wearing a jacket blazer or something so the bouncer doesn't kick me out um, instead it might be a sprinkle of white people that are in the line you know and I was just thinking about that same thing in terms of here is that these predominantly white spaces where they're like. I remember when the pandemic first hit, there's many people that that frequent IO. They were messaging me on on Facebook, like, Max, did you really experience all of this? Did you did you see all of this? Please let me know. Like, tell me what I need to see so the next time I can stop it from happening. There was a lot of those messages I got. And it was just it's horrible, but it's it's because there's many people where they're like, Oh, I was having a blast at IO. <laughs> you know, what what's the problem? Yeah, it's 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 sort of like, it may not happen to you, but have empathy and believe people when they say this happens. Yes. And I think that's yes. what we're missing in a lot of spots. And I could like, I've definitely felt it and have, I don't know about anybody else, but like, where it's like, why am I the only one doing this or one of few doing this? Or like, am I doing too much? Am I the crazy one kind of thing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember yeah. when when IO closed uh, and then didn't pay people their money that they spent on summer intern uh, intensives. Um, when that all happened, I remember uh, one of my male friends literally drunk crying on a back porch and being like, "Oh, it's never going to be the same." And I'm like, "Isn't isn't isn't that good?" 
Like, yeah, we don't need like it, if anything, if, it, if it's going to stick around, like clearly there's a lot of need for change. And that's what a lot of people are asking for. So like, I'm not going to I, I, I don't have any. For that. No, not going to coddle you. No, no, you're right. You're absolutely and right. Do you feel like your experience not only with like Chicago comedy and just like and what you experienced at Oxford and just like being being who you are was like helped you like in what ways has it helped you grow or like okay if when I create spaces I want to do x um it definitely um has reminded me to always you know ask questions first and listen to what people need and um um yeah not assuming uh I think also within comedy here in Chicago it makes me excuse me, always make, always is pushing me to say, Ooh, we, I've got to push to create something that's better and new, you know, what, and what I mean by that is not necessarily new, but is more, um, uh, uh, is even more brave. And what I mean by that is more just honest. It's not, Oh, we're, we're doing this because this is the thing to do now, but really what do we need? What do we need to sustain ourselves and really love what we're doing, love each other and really build community and grow and not just one person's growing. Like, you know, like a lot of these institutions where it's like, oh, it's been, it used to be Andrew Alexander and then there was Sharna. And then, you know, even at Noyce where you could put Mick and Jen, you could see these people, you know, but more so of what are these spaces where we can all add to it. Um, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a board for it. And there does not have to, <laughs> you know, I always am thinking about those kind of things too. You know, how can we be able to have the the the, the finances without have you know, and being able to the mutual aid of it? How can we just depend on each other and not have to depend yeah. on, you know, ultimately some old white folks that don't give a fuck <laughs> that just want to throw some money at it? They're like, I love Bill Murray, you know. <laughs> I laugh because it's very true. Uh, <laughs> excellent reference. Yes. Yeah. He once was in this building. I don't know if he knew that or not. Yes, it's a lot of that, right? So Max, I know that was like, that experience was about 10 years ago, give or take. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think in that time of 10 years, whether it be in Chicago or other places you might've performed or visited, have you seen like any positive change in terms of like more spaces opening up that create safe space for black performers or people of color? Definitely. I mean, like now um, at Bada, for instance, the, the, the head person is a black woman now. The head director of the whole program is a black woman. There's many more uh, black people doing work, black actors doing workshops there and teaching there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, shoot, within the, the past few years of all the kind of community we've all created here in Chicago, um, yeah, I'm very thankful to see that and see that there's more black people in writers rooms and there's more understanding and call for that. And um, there's more call in, which I love too, um, that you're seeing and holding people more accountable. Yeah, yeah, I really am. I'm seeing that there's more space, space that's open. It's interesting because right now I'm doing the Black History Month show at Second City. And still, when you look at the behind the scenes people, the, the, you know, the money person to the head of marketing, all that stuff, it's still all white people for the most part. Mm -hmm. It still is, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just strange. It's just really just strange how a lot of these, how these spaces, you know, how I know it's going to take time. Um, it is weird. It is, it is, it is weird. You know? It seems to be an interesting concept that when people call for diversity, they're like, cool, well, we'll cast more diverse cast. But it's like, okay, but like, 
What about management representation? What about yes. leadership? Like that kind of makes a difference too. Yes. Or even like and marketing completely. marketing shows, like I feel there's a immediate need to be like, we, we got to market the show. We'll give out free tickets. We'll, we'll put the price lower. And it's like, it, you're telling that people, like BIPOC people can't afford a show by saying that, or like you're devaluing right. it and you would never do that. It's just a different type of marketing that takes like two or three, not even two or three extra steps, two or three different steps that, that maybe that you're not used to. And especially like, cause immediately I see that sometimes they'll be like, well, it's a, it's a diverse show. We must not only mention it several times, but also discount it. And then without free tickets, That's right. and also you feel good about yourself. I don't know. Like, it's like, I think that True. needs to change too, but you also need people behind the scenes, not only that look like those performers, but also like willing to do the extra work, not just same old thing. Totally. I believe a lot of people are really, a lot of these places are afraid of real outreach. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, 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 seriously, like, if um, let's picture if IO, <coughs> excuse me, if IO experienced a time where there's, you know, where over fifty percent of the audience was black, they would have some meetings. <laughs> there would be some meetings. There'd be I some mean, wasn't movies. there meetings <laughs> when you had certain shows like that, though? That's true. That is true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. I was like, there was very true. You're right. There were. I forgot about that. There totally were. You're right. I think that's the same thing with Second City. If it's at a time where it's not February, they would say, oh, oh how, how the hell did, hold the phone. How did, you know, this happen? Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's That's why we have to, I, I don't think that we need to own, own theaters just because of the fact that it's, it is a lot of work and it's a lot of, you know, but I think that whatever this is in terms of us being in a TikTok generation, how we can turn how we can create platforms for each other that are virtual and that we can help to support and help each other with the tools that we need, um, even from home. I think that's the way that we can really push this revolution, you know, of changing media and changing, uh, changing the way that we are um, connecting with one another. Right. Um, honestly, yeah, I, I definitely think that that's the way that we can, we can, we can change stuff. I mean, a lot of these institutions, bottom line, they should have a lot of young people that are, in throughout their marketing, throughout their everything. It should it should just be a bunch of people that are under like 24. Well, I just, it I makes, always get really surprised too because whenever whenever an institution, for instance, does focus on, you know, a black voice or producing a show that is speaking to, to an extended voice for people of color that maybe aren't always the dominant audience or ticket buyer, like they're always mm -hmm. overwhelmingly a success and they're always overwhelmingly like- yes done well and people are happy to be there and there's always positive feedback and then for some reason they're like cool we did this one time i remember that like a year from now we'll try this again instead of just like consistently trying to do the same thing yeah it just, it that's right also, like some very interesting decision making when i'm like you could be making a lot of money as a business if you actually like continued to market towards a, a, an audience that much needs to hear a voice yeah i mean you see that Absolutely. in movies too like the, some of the biggest audiences to see movies are like our people of color and it's but if you put out mm -hmm. oh maybe a horror movie which I didn't see it but also I'm not going to because the original I like a uh, West Side Story for example like oh, yes I mean I'm sure it's beautiful and great but like I'm not I, I saw the first one is great thank you <laughs> like you know yes <laughs> 
Yeah, but then you I see agree. movies like Encanto doing well, Black Panther, you know, like movies yes. like that show different cultures or even if it's like, uh, you know, a mystical house or something, like it's still like showing different, like I literally was like, oh, that girl looks like me with the big hair and the big glasses, like Maribel. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I would have saved yes. so much therapy if that was around. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love... Um, Last time we did a Give Me the Light show, Sona mentioned uh, something I hadn't thought about. But she was like, why, why did we, we get this whole new series of a white lead Spider-Man? But then in the animated version, we finally get to get like a black spider, black kid Spider-Man. But then you have all these other different Spider-Man. And then she <laughs> said, even Nicolas Cage was in there voicing a Spider-Man. But then now we have to, you know, we get another series where it's like a young white Peter Parker and stuff. And... Um, and I didn't even think about that of like, yeah. what is the thing that we really needed? And what's the thing that is just kind of, you're just making more money. Cause that's what you're doing. I mean, anytime you make a Spider-Man, you're just making money. I mean, yeah. What would, what would be your dream role or like thing to do? Like it be, if, even if it's not a dream role, maybe it's like a, a standup special filmed in X place or whatever oh, yeah. it is. I would love to do a standup special filmed at the Regal theater which is uh, a you know very old, um, one of the oldest uh, and probably longest still standing black owned theaters. Um, I was teaming up with the owner of it because he had met me through Black History Month show 2019. But that is, a I just being honest with y'all, very shysty dude, very <laughs> like money hunt, just, just a dude where he was like gloating to me about like how he's got the police in his back pocket and how he's going to, this and I'm like, oh, oh, it's just, just too much, just yeah. way, just way on the, but like, I would love to do that. And I would love to, I would love to have some, I would love to create a sketch comedy, sketch comedy and improv show that is a landmark like a uh, uh, like a SNL, mm-hmm. but it's just much better. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, it's much funny. better, <laughs> much more honest. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think about Mad TV or I think about In Living Color, and even though yeah. there's plenty of sketches that w- would be offensive, but at the same time, there's just like they were going for more. There's more things that they were able to hit on, and that they were. Touching on, I think that SNL just never, it's so weird how SNL never does any real police brutality stuff all through all of these things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, anything dealing with race, anything dealing with, uh, uh, no sketches on domestic violence. Like they have nothing where they say, you know, this episode of SNL should just be about this issue. And we should drive this shit home because we got millions of people's attention every freaking week, including usually the president of the United States. Whichever yeah. president is, is usually watching SNL every week. I I saw this article, I saw, I read this article that was talking about like, mm-hmm. the, and I don't know how true it is, but they were saying that the target audience is like, like teenage white men or boys in uh, Midwest. Like that's the humor they have. And it's like- yes. Once exactly. I read that, no matter how true or not true it is, it all makes sense. And like seeing it through that filter, because you have like, it's supposed to be like this institution, but then, yeah, yes. like you said, there, it's just, it's a bunch of inside jokes for teenage boys, te- white teenage boys. So, so Saturday Night Live has all the more reason then to be making these kind of smart thought 
jokes about like oh maybe like white men shouldn't be the ones carrying guns because they are the number one threat in america in terms of like serial killers and school shootings and such like yeah. that um so Whoa. that'd be that'd be a smart thought sorry just got a little bit on the soapbox again <laughs> no you're right no you're absolutely right it would it would be the perfect it would be the perfect platform to discuss these things being in another country and having such a big event happen how did it make you feel of just like this big thing is happening, but you're not in your usual comforts of home or ways to deal with it. Mm -hmm. That it, it was very interesting. Is that um, quickly when I found when I felt, oh wow, people are not scanning me as you know a, a black guy that you know could be dangerous or whatever. Um, it may it just instantly within maybe the first day of me being there, I was like, I didn't feel homesick. I didn't feel any of that. I felt like, wow, this is. This is really where I need to be to be as cre also I will definitely say that that was a moment a time where I definitely felt like this is one of the times in my life where I could probably feel the most creative just because my mind was able to be free, you know. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, just as you were talking about earlier, Marie, like being in this city, it's always a hustle and bustle. Then you're also in a very, very segregated city. Yeah. I, I really felt the difference. I really did there. I felt like, oh, this makes sense why all those writers talk about that they have to go to France. They have to go to another mm -hmm. country to just write and to fish or, you know, um, talk to the locals and just be. Um, well, if you're good, unless there's anything else you want to add about your story, uh, we can probably move mm -hmm. into something a little more like silly and lighthearted and kind of get to know more about Max yes. like um, as Max uh, and just throw you some some fun, thoughtful questions. Cool. All right. So I'll just put out the first one here. So um, if you were to be in like a wrestling match, what would be your entrance song with like the WWE? WWE. Oh, I know exactly what it would be. It would be uh, the song by Jada Kiss called We Gonna Make It. We Gonna Make It. That song, I love that song so <laughs> much. There's even the opening line on it is so funny because, you know, this is, at, this is early 2000s rap. This is at a time where everybody had to talk about how much cocaine they've sold. Mm -hmm. So he <laughs> says a lyric. <laughs> he says a lyric. What did he say? He said, He's da, 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 da. Yes, and he says, fuck the frail shit, like frail bricks of cocaine. He says, fuck the frail shit. You're going to have to use the scale that they use to weigh the whales with. Oh my. It's <laughs> just something about that. <laughs> that is just like, yeah, look, look at, like, like, this is big time. Like, this guy, I don't know what it, it just as a kid, I was like, what the fuck? This is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just coming yes. out to that song like we mean this. Like, i'm ready <laughs> exactly yes because in the chorus it's just we gonna make it we gonna make it you know so cool <laughs> um i love asking this question so here we go uh if you were a part of a heist first off mm -hmm. what heist would it kind of be think about it as i finish the question and it's you and four other people, it could be friends, families, famous people, uh, ghosts even, or people no longer around, whatever it is, what would the heist be and who would be those four other people and also their roles? So you would be in it as well. Oh, no, I stopped, Matt. Oh, it would, 
it would definitely be a heist of something like, ooh, oh man, it would be like a crazy heist, like something of like either taking over like a large supply of like oil or something, like shutting it off or something, just something where then it's like excavating it out of the ocean, like just, you know, like take, take, like shutting that vat, like deading, dead that, and then being able to like somehow use that that natural resource and like put it back into something that helps countries or helps like literally can if it was something like that like there was like a main solving of of a problem uh that would be really really cool like wouldn't that be just so cool if we knew like okay this natural resource and we just can use this not to line somebody's pockets but literally uses for the health of other people and that would conquer a lot of a lot of stress um then i think like a getaway boat driver would be like Devonte washington because he's a sure. stage manager <laughs> he'll keep everybody i was like time. if Devonte's not in this <laughs> yes you know what i mean mm-hmm. um I don't know who else. That's a real difficult one. Maybe my dad, because then he would just be like, "Listen, man, listen, we don't have to do this. Listen, listen, it's all right." <laughs> like he would throw out, he would be like, "Listen, you've done enough. You've done it. You know what I mean?" You need would, one of those. You need one of those. But we'll still do know, it because you know, want to make sure you're okay yeah. as it's happening. Exactly. Exactly. But he would also kind of Lieutenant Dan it. He'd be like, mm-hmm. "I'm just gonna take this on myself." <laughs> uh, I gotta have like some top criminals. Mm. I gotta have like some top like say that again. It could be a famous person or a character, even doesn't have to be someone in your life. Ah, like maybe uh Pierce Brosnan and and Thomas Crown affair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it would maybe maybe uh Lupita and Yango, just because she seems like she really knows how to like problem solve very well. Um, I could see that, and then she would know exactly where we should, what we should do to help with the oil, because you know, like she, she is, you know, um, an anti uh, poacher activist mm-hmm. and everything, and uh, who else? Ooh, and maybe the sharpshooter, the guns person, the sharpshooter would be sharpshooter would be I don't know, somebody like Angela Davis. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good crew. So here's a different type of question: What food? would you refuse to share like it's just too good you have to keep it all to yourself you would never share it with anybody crab legs (laughs) end of statement that's it yeah period easy (laughs) easy Uh, spot called the wharf in dc that has crab legs they're like five pounds for sixty dollars in a huge box they give you melted butter they put old base seasoning all across and you just crack them yourself I love that. Chef's kiss. Amazing. Pull them straight out the water. Here, a pound of crab legs can be, uh, you know, a fucking student loan deposit. (laughs) For crab that look like they got into a knife fight on the way over here. (laughs) They reenacted West Side Story. You know, exactly. (laughs) Detroit, where did it come from? That's the real (laughs) question. We know there's shortages right now. Where the fuck are these crabs? Do they walk in themselves? Well, it's not like Michigan's known for crabs. You know what I mean? At all. Michigan's known for dead mobsters. <laughs> like like Lake Michigan's just known for dead mobsters. Not not lobster, not crab, none of that. But yes, 
<laughs> imagine a crab like next to a mobster dead body. <laughs> Absolutely. I could definitely see that. I'm sure that whenever you pull up dead mobsters, they have like those crabs that are just attached to them everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your perfect day? Like you can design it however you want. Ooh, perfect day would be like, and then also it's winter, would be going sledding, eating something that's really, really good, like a crab boil or mm. some delicious jambalaya, um, mm, laughing with friends, like a lot of laughing, like deep, like pineapple express, smoke a joint kind of <laughs> laughter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then also see like a movie and oh, a bonfire. Mm. Bonfire would be really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you know something I've never done, but I think this would be great just to top it off would be a hot spring. Just at night. Like, we love some of that. That does sound Definitely. Like want to definitely do that. Day. Yeah. We got to right? go to California. I feel that's the only place all of those things can happen. Yes. Hold on. In Arizona, don't they have hot, do they have hot springs in Arizona? Yeah, but they don't have, like, I mean, I guess you can drive four hours for snow, but, like, I feel like everything is, oh, like, that's right. in California, it's all, like, right. oh, bonfire, sledding, duh, duh, duh. <laughs> Damn, that is. You're right. Because mm -hmm. what is it called? Is it big? I know big it's not bear. big, sir, but what is it called? Big Bear. There we go. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. But they do have some nice hot springs in Arizona. There's actually uh, this part, like, two hours north from Phoenix where it's like it snows so it gets really cold and it, it freezes the water but if they can like oh. kind of get it like in february march where like the water basically like becomes unfrozen and it's like just a bunch of waterfalls like made from ice oh wow yeah no, that's cool mm -hmm. but you gotta like it only happens for a short time you gotta get it right it's like pretty crazy uh, okay yeah that's some arizona shit one one month you can fry an egg on your dashboard. Yes. <laughs> another month you can go see some waterfalls made from ice. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, we would do that in science class for baking cookies. Like when it was so hot outside of science, you would have like the baking pan and then you'd put the cookie dough. And so wow. to start a class and then class would end like an hour later and you would have cookies. That's so easy. I, yeah. I don't think people should live there though. That's like, <laughs> This is my last question for you, Max. What is like, is there an animal that you identify with like really intensely or like a favorite animal? Yes, there is actually. An animal that really does resonate for me has always been like panthers or like mountain lions and stuff. It's just cause they just, they, they just feel like, okay, I'm able to be on my own. I'm able to enjoy myself. Nobody's gonna fuck with me. You know what I mean? I'm able to, do what I want to do. I can kind of move throughout spaces. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. Like I, I feel like, like those kind of like panthers or like mountain lions and stuff. They just, I don't know. There's just something interesting. That's always been fascinating about, about them. Oh yeah. I mean, if you're hiking and you see like a cougar or mountain lion, like you, you do, you go the, you run fast. Yes. The direction. You do not fuck with that. Or, um, no. some Arizona shit. Uh, here we go. I was hiking with my friend one time and these two white women come up to us. She's like, there's a mountain lion over there. And we were both like, okay, like, oh, like on the mountain, but like the mountain's so big that it, it's not going to run towards us. And she's like, do you all want to go see it? We're like, no. What? And they were like disappointed and mad at us that we didn't want strangers that we don't want to go on there to see this mountain lion. I love that. 
DL Hugh, we had a whole joke about that when the tsunami first hit. When we had like first major tsunami that we remember, I think about 26, 2006. And I remember he said, white people are the only people that will go and examine some shit, uh, examine a natural disaster. You know, he said, he said, once I see the beach is gone, I say, oh, it's time for me to go inside. He said, white people say, oh, honey, the beach is gone. Let's go examine. <laughs> Let's go investigate. You are 100% true. That is very right. <laughs> My mom, my mom hears it sirens, uh, and she's just like, "Oh, do you want to go see what's going on?" I'm like, "No, no, 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 no! Why, why are we getting in trouble? Why are we getting ourselves in trouble?" We've come to the end. So, is there anything that you want to plug? Any socials? Oh yes, follow me on Searching for Max on IG. Um, what else is coming up? I have a film coming up out called Broke Down Drone. Um, that just finished shooting last uh, two nights ago. Thank you. Awesome. Yay, we did it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you all. Max Thomas is an actor, comedian, community organizer, producer, and smiler. You can follow Max at That's Max Thomas on Instagram. You can follow Sparks of Madness on Instagram at Sparks of Madness Podcast. Sparks of Madness is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com. That was fun. (laughs) Good.